mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean from Silicon Theory here, and yeah, I know it's been a while, but we've got some stuff to talk about, so let's do it. I'm going to ring Sean P. up, and we're going to get about it. We're going to talk about the Pixel. We're going to talk about some interesting information about Apple no longer being the number two phone smartphone manufacturer in the world, easy for me to say, and maybe a few other things because we've got a lot to talk about and as you guys know, we like to go long. So sit back, buckle up, open your favorite adult beverage of choice, and let's get to it. Sean Spring is I live and breathe. It is indeed. You're living and breathing these days? Kind of. It's pretty freaking hot outside, so I wouldn't blame you if you weren't living or breathing, actually. Yeah, man, I had the great idea to do some yard work earlier today in the sun, and it turns out it was freaking insane. Bad idea. Yeah, what in, what in the hell would possess you to do that? That sounds like a bad idea. I don't know. It had to be done, and I'm stubborn. Yeah, good enough for me. Didn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, you ready to uh, you ready to talk some tech? It's been a little while, yeah? Yeah, it's almost as though a pandemic hit the entire world and things just kind of stopped. I was actually, yeah, I was actually going back a little bit ago and listening to the um, the last episode we did, which was the best and worst of tech in 2020. And um, it's actually one of our more popular episodes to date. I think that kind of speaks to, one, um, we're awesome and have opinions about things. And um, two, that, you know, there's there was a lot of stuff that happened last year and um, it's been six months. And there's been a lot of stuff that's happening this year. So um, I definitely want to talk about the Pixel stuff. I definitely want to talk about um, Apple losing its crown as the number two uh, smartphone OEM in the world. Is there anything else that you've got a, a burner, burning hanker in to talk about? I mean, we could have the discussion about the green of the S21 FE uh, <laughs> if you want. Oh, this will be the battle for the ages for sure. Yeah, we yeah, we got some we got some stuff about the uh, we got some more info about the S twenty one FE. So we could certainly talk about that too. Yeah, we could sprinkle in some Z Flip and Z Fold three stuff if you know we're feeling saucy. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Where do you want to start? Dealer's choice. Okay, let's talk about um, let's talk about the uh, Apple stuff first because that was that was actually pretty interesting to me. That was one of the, the one of the kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but it, it has some kind of interesting long-term implications of uh, Apple no longer being the number two smartphone OEM in the world. So how did you um, how did you first hear about what happened and who is now the number two smartphone OEM in the world? You know, I actually think I read it via tweet and then, you know, linked to an article and kind of read through it. And it's one of those things that's weird. I can't say that it's completely unexpected in hindsight when you actually look and we'll I'll let you spoil who it is in a minute, but it's also one of those weird things where if you had said name the top, you know, five, I probably would have guessed this company in the top five, but definitely not number two. Yeah, and I think that, you know, a lot of people and especially our audience for sure, and, and you know, our audience can be forgiven for this, but we're largely a um, U.S.-based show and largely a U.S.-based market. So we have a tendency to think in terms of what affects the United States and, you know, nothing wrong with that. But there are other smartphone OEMs in the world, and it turns out that... Um, a couple of them are in overseas markets and make a lot of phones. And so without further ado, 
Um, from Reuters, per Reuters, as of July 16th, Chinese smartphone maker Xiaomi Corporation overtook Apple in the second quarter to become the world's number two smartphone maker. Market research firm uh, Canalis, I believe is how you say that, said in a report on Thursday, Xiaomi took the second spot for the first time with a 17% share of worldwide smartphone shipments, up 3% from the previous quarter, according to the research firm. So that's kind of, um, that kind of sets the stage for what it is that we're dealing with, right? Because it's worldwide. It's not just the U.S. market. It's not just a very particular market in Asia. It's worldwide smartphone market. And, you know, no surprise, Xiaomi is uh, a manufacturer of a wide variety of smartphones. A lot of them are in the, um, what's a nice, what's a nice way to say they make cheap phones? Well, but they're kind of weird though. Like, so you said something that was key here. Um, we're kind of United States centric, right? So we think a lot about the OEMs that exist here. And sometimes Americans are, this is going to be shocking. I know a little bit, uh, American centric, but when you look at the markets that Xiaomi is really, uh, kind of proliferating in, it's India and China. And when you combine those two countries together, it's like, I don't know, roughly a third of the world population. And, each one of them has out of three and a half times as many people as the United States. So this actually makes a lot of sense in that context, but Xiaomi actually covers a huge range of market. I mean, they do have the inexpensive phones, but they also make top shelf flagships too. Their business model just seems to be interesting, which has always been kind of high volume, low margin, which is very kind of antithetical to Apple, which is kind of, they always value margin over anything else. Yeah. And so this is one of those weird things where it seems as though they're very, very successful in China, um, India, and Europe, it seems like as well. Because when you look at the value that their handsets provide versus other people, they are providing top shelf specs in a lot of cases for prices that are, I don't know, like 70% of competitors for the same things. And then to your point, they do have a lot of handsets throughout kind of the price range and it, it's actually really interesting to see what they're doing um i i actually think there's a pretty fair chance that they're going to pass up samsung who's number one in 19 percent, if i'm not mistaken in the next few quarters um they were number one and it wasn't by much it was um so samsung was number one with a 19 percent share of the market apple was third with 14 percent and then as i mentioned before reuter reuter says Xiaomi, <clears throat> excuse me, had a 17% share of the market. So, you know, they're, they're within 2%. Now, again, 2% of a worldwide number is still a very large number and definitely something to keep in mind. But the rate and the pace at which, with which Xiaomi is growing, um, I think is kind of speaks to your point because, you know, they said it were up 3% from the previous quarter. So if they grew, as an example, another 3% this quarter, they would absolutely overtake um, Samsung in, in the next quarter. So, um, now, I will say that the Reuters article does cite that the average selling price of Xiaomi phones is between 40 to 75% cheaper compared with Samsung and Apple, respectively, um, but that the major priority for Xiaomi this year is to grow sales of its high-end devices. Now, they do make a number of different devices, kind of as you've already touched on, like they make their Black Shark, um, sorry, I said that wrong, Black Shark uh, gaming smartphone. <laughs> And uh, I don't know why, when I whenever I see that name, I have to say it like that. Like it just, I don't know. It, it inspires some kind of weird I mean, vibe in me. Thing, though, you actually don't. 
<laughs> but I actually do. I hey. No, but, you're, but I feel like you're making an artistic choice here. I I gave you I gave you a break on the bad the Xiaomi pun. I'm not gonna say it at least for the next uh, couple couple uh, minutes. I'm not gonna say the pun. But you gotta give me I the you gotta Xiaomi. give me black shock. Uh, God. Okay, fine. It's terrible, but they they do make a like you said they make a wide variety of different um, phones and their brands. The diversification of their brand includes uh, Redmi, which is kind of as you pointed out, pretty popular in the Indian subcontinent. Uh, the Black Shark gaming phone. They make the Poco phones, which is you know kind of their you know their one plus type of deal where it's you know high end specs for for low 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 prices. And you know they're me phones. Like they've had the what was the was the mix was the me mix were they the, the yeah, kind uh, of the... yeah and they're, they're, in fact I think we're due for the me mix four with a like a a full underscreen camera a full UPC is rumored to come out in the next few months. Yeah, and they've got the the me ultra phones as well. So they they do make a very um, a very widespread of phones. And yeah, they're they're more inexpensive phones. Probably are much popular much more popular across the world than you know some of the Samsung handsets and certainly the Apple handsets because as you've already pointed out Apple is kind of a premium brand and and their you know cheapest phone is still priced well well above where some of these um, some of these Xiaomi and Redmi handsets typically play in but um, you know I've just for chits and grins I looked up Tech Radar's article the best Xiaomi phones of 2021 and um, you know the list is kind of comprehensive they've got the Mi 11 the Poco X3 the Redmi Note 10 Pro the Poco F3, the Mi 11 Ultra, the Black Shark 3, and you know the Poco X3 and the Poco F2 Pros, respectively. So they have, you know, they, their line is is very much, and they diversify very much in the way that Samsung does, where they have a phone basically like every hundred dollar price point, starting at a hundred dollars, and then it goes all the way up to their high end phones. And I. I like you said, I don't think it's a huge surprise that Xiaomi has experienced this kind of rapid growth. One, because of the diversification of their brands. Two, because they sell a lot of phones at every price point, so they're not just reliant on their high-end phones. They're not just reliant on their low-end phones. But I think that, like you said, that I think this would surprise a lot of people because Apple is a household name in the United States. Samsung is definitely a household name in the United States in a way that <clears throat> a lot of these other smartphone players, some that make phones and some that don't anymore, like LG, um, HTC, and even Google, um, you know, Xiaomi is not that kind of name. They don't have that kind of street cred. I think if you ask somebody about an LG phone, they, you know, good chance, you know, maybe 50-50 that they'd know about it. Um, I think if you asked about a Xiaomi phone, you'd probably get a bunch of blank stares. And, you know, most people these days would probably go, you know, I don't, I don't want a, a Chinese smartphone spying on me. But, um, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a big company. They make a lot of phones. And the fact that they've grown to the point where, to me, actually, it's more interesting that Apple was still number two worldwide for such a long period of time and hasn't been overtaken by, you know, the Huawei's and the, and the Xiaomi's of the world before now. That's more surprising. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think, the, I think the last bit I would say is uh, I would actually love if they do move into North America more aggressively, including the United States. As you kind of outlined, a lot of times in specific price brackets, they're kind of the benchmark phone. And when you compare the lower-end offerings or the mid-range here, oftentimes with what they offer at those price points, they're not even close. Um, so, you know, it, I, I assume eventually they, they've kind of made noise about coming into North America for for gosh years um i don't know if they're 
already plans to do it in the near future, especially with the chip shortage and some of the other things going on in the world. But true, true. I would love to see them come here. I think with LG's exit, it would be great to have another competitor in the works, and they have the portfolio of phones, I think, to put some pressure um, you know, on others in the market and kind of maybe move prices down. And uh, yeah, it, it would just be... It, it's kind of weird. We talked about in the United States. There's we kind of have a duopoly. It's Samsung and it's um, Apple, and then there's Google, who's kind of um, depending on the year has ups and downs. Although this year, when we talk about their phones, I'm I'm bullish. But with OnePlus kind of slipping a little bit, it's like an LG gone, an HTC gone. There's really three companies. Uh, almost, you know, you could argue with OnePlus is like two and a half. Yeah. And so it would just be great to have another company come in. Uh, apply some pressure to those guys and keep everyone competitive. So, yeah, you know, I think they'll probably make it to number one is the other crazy thing, and they can do that without ever having officially come to the United States as a market, and that's pretty wild. It is pretty wild, and I I think that, you know, in a way, um, you know, it's a good thing because, one, you've already talked about, but I want to kind of elaborate and, and bring home that point a little bit more. You know, this truly became an issue um, recently because I, we were looking, uh, my wife and I were looking at um, trying to change broadband providers. And, you know, I've had some people at my office say like, oh, you know, my internet's down or I need to increase my you know, internet capacity, blah, blah, blah. And, and broadband is one of those things where realistically, wherever it is that we're living in the U.S., there are one, maybe two broadband um, ISPs. And it really, the lack of competition means that these companies don't have to do really anything with their pricing. They don't have to compete to earn your business. And you'll occasionally find you know, service deals and things of that nature, especially for new customers if you want to switch. But there's really no incentive for existing customers to do, you know, for, the, for these companies to do anything for their existing companies, or for their existing customers, excuse me. And the smartphone game is kind of like that. Like there's nothing really to push Samsung forward. I mean, they're doing it themselves, but they don't really have to. They'll sell X number of Galaxy S22s. They'll sell X number of you know Galaxy um, uh, Ultra phones. They'll sell um, you know a number of, of folding phones and stuff like that because they're doing it anyways. But if they didn't, they probably would still sell a lot of phones. And Apple, you know, has a built-in market, and the the lock-in is there is real. But I think we've seen, you know, other than Samsung, who was kind of first to foldables, there hasn't really been a lot of innovation in this space. And I think a lot of that is due to a lack of competition. And even when we look at HTC and LG, they tried to do some crazy wacky things, but they didn't have the diversified brand. Like their, if their flagship was the wacky phone and it didn't sell well, they were kind of screwed. And so, you know, HTC had some really good ideas and LG had some really good ideas, but they couldn't put it together in a way that was... Hey, we've got um, we've got some innovation. And we want to do it, and we want to bring it kind of slowly to our flagship phones while we're still selling, you know, really good quality high end phones. Like the, I think we we talked the other day maybe at work about the LG Velvet Two, like kind of being a really like interesting phone, but but nobody yeah. bought the Velvet, so there ain't gonna be no Velvet Two. Um, also, Velvet n- not a great name for a smartphone. Anyway, good name for cupcakes, maybe bad name for smartphones, but. The fact that Xiaomi can still be this big and still hasn't even, you know, barely touched a toe in the U.S. market, I think, could be good for U.S. consumers in the long run, and it's certainly good for worldwide consumers because they have choices, and the more choices we have, the better off we all are in the long run. Yeah, I mean, competition's never a bad thing. Apple is more of a mature technology adopter, so they're not going to necessarily be pushing things. Samsung does kind of like to push technology forward, or seemingly still does anyway. So that. 
they're doing a little bit of it, but yeah, I mean, look, everyone's better off, and we saw it with smartphones every year. We got better screens, we got better cameras, we got better performance, better battery life, because they were all pushing each other, and to some extent, when you only have two major companies kind of duking it out in the market, like we have in the United States, uh, that pressure is gone, and so I think Xiaomi makes really, really interesting phones, and uh, I would love for them to have more of a footprint in the United States, and I just think that uh, with most things, having more competition ends up leading to better products for the uh, customer, and it, it tends to, not always, but tends to keep prices kind of in check a little bit better. So, um, yeah, you know, good for them. Really, really interesting stuff. I think they'll actually get to number one at some point in the next, I don't know, five, six quarters, and hopefully they come to the United States. Yeah, for sure. They do have some really interesting products, and I think that a lot of people would benefit, like you say, from more choice, especially in the... Um, in the lower end to um, the entry level to the midpoint because they, they bring a lot of value with their phones and they're they're doing some you know very, very good and, and innovative stuff with cameras and things too. So I think that, um, like I say, more competition, the better in that space. Speaking of... Yeah, but, yeah. No, go ahead. No, let's move on. I know where you're going. Yeah, speaking of more competition and phones in the space, let's, um, let's talk about uh, the Google Pixel 6 stuff and the Pixel 6 Pro. Are you... Um, are you up to date on the uh, on the latest uh, and greatest rumors? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the most part, it looks like last year the Pixel Five, which we actually really, really liked. I voted. Um, I voted for it. I think it's smartphone of the year. In fact, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and, and it was in my top, you know, two probably three at most. It was it was right up there near the top. I think there was a good argument to be made. Um, it looked like last year that it was going to end up being kind of an aberration. That that year that Google had, there were, again, same things last year, chip shortages and some other things going on. And Google kind of stepped out of the flagship game a little bit. And ironically, I think, gave us in some ways their most well-rounded phone with the Pixel 5. But it appears this year they're going back to the full flagship, you know, kind of roots that the Pixel line originally came from. So... We're getting a Pixel 6 with a 6.4-inch screen, uh, two rear cameras, 50-megapixel wide, 12-megapixel ultra-wide, 8-megapixel front, a 4614mAh battery, 8-gig of RAM, and then storage is 128 and 256. And then we're also getting a Pro, which is 6.71 inches, and uh, uh, it has a triple camera set up in the back, 50-megapixel wide, 48-megapixel tele, 12 megapixel droid and then a 12 megapixel front with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. Uh, the big boy comes with 12 gig of RAM and it looks like it may come in three storage SKUs, 128, 256, and 512. From a design perspective, we've seen renders kind of leak out. Um, I, I think the, the design is a little bit divisive in some ways. I actually think it looks fantastic. Uh, Google has this kind of visor on the back that is very reminiscent of the 6p the nexus 6p but it's moved down slightly from the top um but it extends across the whole you know horizontal length of the phone and then it has these kind of two-tone looks where the top section is orange the camera section's black and then there's like white or what have you we're not sure exactly what the color is going to be um one other thing the six is a flat screen the six pro has that kind of slightly curved and then both of them have a punch hole in the middle that's reminiscent of the uh you know galaxy s21 line for instance for sure um but 
I, I really like a few things about what Google's doing. So first, wait, 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 wait. You're, oh. you're burying the lead, man. You're, Sorry, go you're, ahead. You're burying the lead. Go ahead. This phone, if all of the rumors pan out, will also be powered by Google's own custom silicon processor, codenamed Whitechapel, which is definitely a first for Google. Now, there have been rumors of Google wanting to do their own silicon for a while, you know, and, you know, because our show was called the Silicon Theory Podcast, we're very interested in, you know, microprocessor technology. And this, this, is, this is something. Like, everything that you've said up until this point is absolutely true. And in a lot of ways, you know, Google has done some really, really... Um, kind of, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Like this is for me. This is this is very un-Google, right? Like pe- their phones always have some kind of flaw. Their phones always have some kind of weird thing. Like the Pixel Five was really the only phone that I think that they got to, or maybe that was the first phone that they got to, where there weren't a ton of compromises. And you could maybe argue the 765G is potentially a compromise, but it's certainly fast enough to do everything that this phone needs to do. And you know, everybody probably knows. I own a Pixel Five. I love it. It's, it's probably my favorite Pixel phone. Uh, of all time, but the fact that Google is is using its own now it's manufactured by um, uh, Samsung, if I remember correctly, uh, that that chip is manufactured by Samsung, but it is going to be a Google designed CPU, and it's in combination with the um, is it the Mali? What is it? The Mali six seventy eight? What is it? What's the right. GPU? Um, yeah. So it's gonna it's gonna have a very powerful GPU. It's going to have in theory, a custom CPU. Yeah, here it is, the G seventy eight GPU. Um, the the this is really uh, again. This phone may be the anti Google phone in a lot of ways. Like it's it's got high end specs. It's going to have a Samsung display. It's going to have a custom CPU. It's going to have you know a, a great and much enhanced camera. Like all of the things that we've been clamoring at Google to do for years and years and years, they seem to have done it. Which Again, we'll talk a little bit about the divisiveness of the design in in a few, but I think the fact that they're really starting to, the fact that they've put their own custom CPU in this phone, I think to me signals something different for Google, a change in direction and potentially a change in business strategy for them. Um, And, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit about that more in, in in a while. But to me, this is, this may be, other than, um, and you know, I'm excited about the the Samsung folding phones for different reasons, but this to me may be the most interesting, and I'm not just saying it because I'm a Google fanboy, I promise, but it may be the most interesting phone launch this year because I think that there's a lot of people who are really, really interested to see what Google can do with their own chip. And the, we'll get a chance to see it probably in October with the launch of the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro. Yeah, and then I didn't boy talk about bearing the lead, no question. So yeah, it's just for a little more context on the chip itself, it's it is Samsung designed. In some ways it's similar to I think some of their Exynos processors, but it's looking like it's going to be uh, A seventy eight based, so it's going to have um, four A seventy eight cores and then four A fifty five. they just updated their core names. I should know this and I can't remember what it what it is, but um, so it, it doesn't have an X1, which is the highest ARM chip, but the Snapdragon 888, uh, it gets hot fast, and for sustained performance, it doesn't really seem to be that much better than the 865 in a lot of ways, so I don't think that means much. But yeah, it, it's um, it looks like it's going to be performance-wise akin to the uh, Snapdragon 870, 
is what it kind of looks like from a CPU perspective, Mali-G 78 GPU. They're going to add, though, a bunch of AI um, things into the chip. So that's kind of where uh, Google apparently really, when the custom work was done for this particular iteration of the first one, was on uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So, yeah, I think this chip is actually, you're right, totally bearing the lead. It's fascinating. This is the first company, I'm trying to think so. We had Huawei doing their own chips, yeah. obviously. But, the Kirin, um, yeah. It, not so much anymore now that the government is sanctioning them into oblivion. <laughs> Basically. Um, and, you know, at one point during the, like, payday when, when smartphones first hit the scene, it was like we had Texas Instruments doing chips and yeah. there were some other companies out there doing things. But really, again, it, it kind of had just fallen to Samsung and, uh, in the Android space anyway, Samsung and Qualcomm with MediaTek out there. And then Apple has their own division and they make their own silicon. So, yeah, this is very, very exciting. Um, it's... I think most importantly, the rumor is it will allow them to do five years of OS updates, which is a huge deal. That's one of the things where Android really uh, pales in comparison to iOS is that the phones are supported on the iOS side for a lot longer. And part of the reason is because I believe, I think it's the binaries is what they're called, but Qualcomm basically the firmware that they use for the Snapdragon is they stop upgrading over time, updating, excuse me. And so... OEMs can no longer necessarily support the phone the way that they want. Whereas with Google now controlling that aspect of things, uh, the rumor is it will allow them to support the phone for five years. So, yeah, I, I, I like everything about what they're doing. Um, the cameras are substantially upgraded, especially in the Pro. You were already kind of staying like even or at pace with the best in the market with sensors that were as of last year, pretty old. Yeah. And now they're bringing kind of state-of-the-art, you know, uh, camera sensors in, plus all of, the, all of the trickery that they have for their software. They have their own in-house chip, and I love the design. I think it's, in a world where kind of phones are very homogenous, it looks unique, but not unique like the Pontiac Aztec. Um, it's, <laughs> like <you> know, bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really nice looking. It stands out, but in a unique and tasteful and kind of fun way, as opposed to, you know, ugly. And so the other main thing that I wanted to see from them was offering more storage space options. And it looks like they're doing that too. So at this point on paper, these are by far the most competitive phones that I've ever seen them make. I, I'm looking at these and I'm going, wow, um, if the pro pans out the way the specs look like, I think it stands, you know, nose to nose with the S21 Ultra, which I think is probably the most well-rounded phone of the year. I think it stacks up really nicely with the iPhone 12 S or 13 Pro Max, whatever the hell it's going to be called, <laughs> whatever it comes out. Exactly. Um, and so it's like, you know, we need to see the pricing and I still want to see some reviews because historically Google has still found a way to screw something up. Looking at the totality of the package, it's like cool, fresh, unique design, uh, customs hardware that allows for a lot of you know years of software support, large batteries, updated camera sensors, plus all of the you know uh, processing that Google's known for. And I, I kind of look at all of that and I go, boy, not really missing much, is it? No. And 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my opinion on something in a little bit. I want to talk about the design, and then I want to talk about the price, and then I'm gonna give you my opinion on something. Because we we talked about um, we talked about a little while ago. Like I was really surprised and shocked that there wasn't a lot of parity here with the um, with the the specs and especially the camera modules between the two. Because there's, I think there's five different camera modules between these two phones. Like even the front facing um, selfie cameras are not aligned, and I would think that. Google would, would try to align some of these for um, cost efficiencies, if nothing else. Like if they're buying parts, they can just buy certain parts and, and call it a day and you know reuse the same cameras over and over again. Like you've got you know two cameras in the standard Pixel 6, you've got three in the Pro. Like, okay, so you know you add an extra one, that's no big deal, but use the same front-facing module and then you essentially eliminate a fifth entire camera module to begin with. And you know that that tells me some things that it's puzzling to me, but it could mean um, it could mean what I hope that it means, what I think that it means. The the design, the color schemes, like the I'm looking at the orange and white um, render right now, and it, the the colors are awesome. I think there's one that's like a white and, and like a champagne gold or tan desert tan color that's also really really eye catching. Um, the the orange, white, and black kind of reminds me of the um, the penguin uh, edition of the uh, Pixel 2 XL that was so popular and sold out in like literally seconds back in the day. Um, the visor's weird looking to me. This is the part I think that you were mentioning where it's divisive. Like I look at it and I go, this phone will never sit flat on a table. I don't understand the, the idea of making the phone thin and then having this giant hump to house the very large camera sensors that are obviously in there. You know, 50 megapixels, a very big sensor for a smartphone. And I think that they're doing some stuff with the Tele that also is, if I remember reading the rumors correctly, it's like a, it's almost like the Periscope style Tele 2 where they're, they're supposed to yep. get, I think it's a, up to a 5X optical zoom, not a digital zoom, like a 5X optical zoom. And yes. that, that could very much, you know, have some very cool real world, real world results for people who, you know, need to zoom in on images using sensors of those size. I like the idea of the flat display a lot. I don't like the idea that the 6 is going to be kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the phones. Like the Pro has the extra camera and the bigger display and it's, you know, it's curved and, um, you know, you'll get more storage, you get more RAM. Like I, I get the, the concept of it, but the traditional Google line was, you know, you have the small one, you have the XL one, and there's mostly parity between the two. And they kind of went away from that with this. And they certainly went away from that but they kind of accommodated it with the A series phone. So like if you want, you know, the cheap one, you can get the A. And then if you want the regular one, you can get the, the standard Pixel. The um, the pricing still will be really interesting. I know these phones are going to be expensive. You know, you cram all this high-end stuff into a phone. It's going to be expensive. I'm guessing that the Pro is going to be north of 1000 I'm guessing the 6 will probably be just shy of that, maybe 899 to start and that's for the low end storage and you know that that's always concerning to me because the the pixel 5 was a really good value to me um, you know even notwithstanding the millimeter wave you know hundred dollar surtax um but the the pricing is going to be you know the pricing is going to be very very interesting to see because these are high-end premium phones with high-end premium everything as far as we can tell this is what i think it means the inclusion of google's custom cpu in this phone I think signals to me what the Pixel brand didn't when it was originally launched. Launched, And I think what it signals to me is that Google is actually finally serious about making phones. Look at all the stuff that they can do with 
their own silicon. You've already touched on they can support five years of update. They can tweak it for machine learning and artificial intelligence, which is one of their big selling features, like things like call screening and now playing and a whole host of other really nice convenience features that the Pixels offer that nobody else does. And it just it's such a quality of life thing for me. But I don't think, I mean, we talked about this a little bit back in the day, but when Google launched their own branded phones, they didn't really seem like, they kind of gave lip service to the fact that they were serious about making phones or being a smartphone OEM. But putting their own custom silicon, which they have probably spent a tremendous amount of money in R&D in and paid Samsung to make for them, I think to me signals that they may actually now really be serious about making smartphones. And that to me signals a very different change in direction for Google. I could be wrong. You know, Google's ad business, to coin a phrase that I'll steal from the Vergecast, their ad business prints money. Like they're richer than most countries as a as a company. So, you know, they, they could throw bad money after pixels for years and years and years and still never worry about, you know, going broke anytime soon. But I think that this potentially could be a shift in their market strategy. And that is really interesting to me because the the fact that Google really wants to get serious in this space could mean a lot of good things for buyers in the long run, and it could mean some not so great things for buyers in the long run. But what do you think about Google, this potentially may, meaning that Google's really serious about being a smartphone OEM? So yeah, no, I, I, I think that the whole, originally when Pixel came out, it was supposed to be the android iphone right it just works Um, everything integrates together nicely well i think it's impossible to make everything integrate together as nicely in some ways as apple doesn't have that control without having your own chip google apparently has come to that same conclusion Uh, regarding some of the other things you're talking about the pricing we'll see Uh, the rumor is the flat screen and stuff may make the base one a little bit less expensive and yes it has one fewer camera sensor on the back but I still depending on the price you're, you're going to be getting a lot for your money and the RAM difference 8 to 12 I'm not losing any sleep or having heartburn over that it, it still has a giant battery which I think is one of the key things that people want and it'll have a great camera and you know I think that's a great starting point the design it, we, we just kind of you know sitting flat on the that desk thing is just a myth at this point. I can't name one phone that sits flat on the desk. iPhones don't do it. The Galaxies don't do it. And so at the point that we just have decided as consumers that we want the camera fidelity and improvements um, that you know we're willing to pay the money and that's what consumers are driving towards, they don't really have a choice but to make the, that aspect of the phone thicker. And we've talked about, okay, if, if you... If you made the rest of the phone thin and you sacrifice battery and then you have this weird hump, that will be one thing. But both these phones have giant batteries, so they, it doesn't appear that they did sacrifice in that way. And I kind of, uh, as with the S21 line, I, like, own it. They kind of own it. They, you know, basically Google said, fuck it. Like, we're going to have a camera bump, so screw it. Okay. Let's, let's, let's do the biggest it. camera bump we can possibly make. Do something unique. And, and Apple has a camera bump, too, for the record. It doesn't sit flat, and it looks like the, the new one's going to have a slightly larger camera bump. And this is just the way things have gone. I mean, it, again, it's the way it's consumers dictate the direction in a lot of ways, and we want kick-ass cameras. Well, if you want Periscope and Zoom and all these things that we want, it necessitates a bump. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I Like, I want to see it, but if their cameras kick-ass, like I think they will, 
with new sensors plus all of the Google magic and they become the the leader in the space again, then who gives a shit? I kind of like it. I like that they embraced it. So, you know, yeah, and look, five years of OS updates is not trivial. They, they haven't really been able to do that with their Pixel phones to date, and now they will. And we'll see how they do with that. But that's a, you know, that's a massive deal. If I don't know, it's a lot easier to pony up $1,000 for a phone when you know it's going to receive OS and security updates directly from Google for five years, if you want to keep it that long. No, agreed. And I think that's that's them playing into the Apple strategy, right? Like everybody's holding onto their iPhones. There's enough um, headroom built into those things, especially with, as we've already talked about, Apple making their own chips. And their, you know, their A-series chips, you know, smash pretty much everything in the marketplace. And so, you know, it's essentially saying, you know, I'm buying this phone and I'm spending a lot of money, but I am going to amortize it out over the next, you know, three to four years because that's how long I plan on keeping it. And potentially that's how long I could keep it because it's got the best of everything. So it should last me that long of a time. And I agree, you know, operating five years of software updates is, is not a trivial thing. It, it definitely signals to me another aspect of Google being committed to Android and Google being committed to being a phone OEM because this is the thing that people want in their phones. If I'm going to spend $1,000 on a damn Google phone, freaking support it. And Google's very well known for not supporting things, killing off things. And, you know, a lot of those are software related, but you know, Nexus Q, anyone? That was a, a developer item that was, you know, hotly contested and barely even saw the light of day. So, you know, Google is is notorious for, you know, throwing crap against the wall and seeing what sticks. But I think in, in this respect, I think they're, they may, in its sixth iteration, you know, after a pandemic year, they may finally be taking making smartphones seriously because I don't think they're going to put the best of everything. I don't think they're going to put a custom chip and I don't think they're going to offer five years worth of Android updates on something that they plan to walk away from because they're going to be tied to it, whether they want to or not, they're going to be tied to it. And I think they're looking to say, hey, there aren't that many smartphone manufacturers right now. This is an opportunity for us to push our services, which is what really makes money for them, including the ad services, and get it in front of more people. We're giving away Gmail for free. We're giving away Google Maps for free. We're giving away, not in this particular instance, but we're giving away you know, Google Photos for free. Like We're giving away storage for a lot of people for free. So we've got to find a way to monetize those services in other fashions and, you know, Getting people to pay for Google One for storage is one way to go. Getting people to, you know, subscribe to, you know, YouTube is one way to go. Getting people to have handsets that allows them to use the machine learning to not only deliver relevant results to people when they're, you know, doing things like search or doing things like, you know, interacting with the world around them, but they're also going to be able to take some of that information and use it to serve us targeted ads. And like the old saying goes, you know, if you're not paying something for the product, you are the product. So, you know, Google wants to try and find a way to, to get at more of our data and making a great smartphone and making a lot of people buy it would be one way to do it. Now, do I think their high-end handset's going to sell in large quantities? Probably not. But I know that there are a lot of Android enthusiasts that would buy it. And I think that there are people who, within a certain realm look down on google phones because they're cheaper than iphones and if google has a phone that they've been charging a lot of money for which they have in the past but if they charge a lot for a phone that actually is worth it that's a different ball game like spending 900 dollars on a pixel 2 xl with you know a shoddy screen that got burning after a while like that's you know kind of a bum steer but 
spending $1,000 on a Google phone, a Pixel phone that has literally the best of everything and a custom CPU and, you know, I could get it in a 12 gig, 512 SKU, like that is a big deal, especially if the phone ends up being really, really good. And I think that people have been clamoring for Google to, you know, either, you know, to coin a phrase, kind of shit or get off the pot, like either make a high-end smartphone without any defects, without any glaring weaknesses, or just sell a crap ton of, you know, A-series phones and be done with it. And I think Google basically said, you know what, maybe we should try and go all in and see what happens. And this phone could literally be the beginning of something brand new for Google. And, you know, I'm excited for it. Uh, every generation so far, Google has shit the bed somehow. The first gen, the design wasn't really super competitive. Second gen, the smaller one, the design wasn't competitive, and the, the large one had that LG green screen issue. Gen 3, you had the infamous, you know, notch O'Doom on the XL. Um, four, Bathtubs, baby. Yeah, 4, you had Soli, and you had that weird forehead. And then actually 5 was the one I think that actually got the hardware right as we've discussed, where it was the equal bezels and it felt competitive from a perspective of hardware. But it, from what we've seen leaked so far and from what they appear to have planned, and who knows, you know, we're going off rumors, although a lot of them are pretty well found at this point. It, it, these products feel very confident to me. I, when I'm looking at them as a whole, and, you know, the Pro, I, I literally could not find one weakness, I would say, versus the S21 Ultra. Which, in any other year, the flagship S21 or Note usually had a number of hardware or design advantages Absolutely. over the Pixel. Absolutely. Um, and this time I'm looking at it, I'm going, it looks the same. I mean, so that means they're on hardware parity. They have still, plus they have the custom chip and the Google, you know, software piece. Plus they're going to be supported for five years. And I just look at that and I go, it, it's, look. Off of the track record, you have to unfortunately assume that maybe Google will still find a way to fumble here at the one-yard line. Yeah. But just based off of what I've seen so far, unless something ends up being drastically off, these two devices seem to be exceedingly well-rounded. They seem to feature top-notch kind of everything from a hardware perspective and absolutely are on par with anything else on the market. And they just feel, as I said, for lack of a better word, just confident. It feels like Google's just kind of, I don't know whipping it out on the table and being like, fine, let's do this thing. And I'm, I'm down with it. Yeah. And I am too. I mean, at least from the standpoint of, I like to see, I would like to see what Google can do when they're really serious. And to me, I think the, the flaws, design, hardware, software, and otherwise uh, have been indicative of the fact that they weren't serious. Like, eh, we're just like, man, eh, we'll make some phones and we'll buy HTC's engineers and we'll we'll do some stuff and yeah, it'll be great. And, you know, I, I think if, if we're being honest, it pretty much every successive Pixel generation has gotten worse. Like the Pixel 1 was, was very well lauded and I loved that Pixel XL. Like, I loved that phone. It was maybe the first phone that I really truly like loved with a passion since my Galaxy Nexus. And then, you know, like, yeah, we just need to shrink the top and bottom bezels, give us, you know, this phone, just modernize a little bit and we're good. And the Pixel 2 didn't do that. And the Pixel 2 XL did with front-facing speakers, but they used a, you know, shitty LG panel that had terrible, you know, blue shift and a bunch of other, you know, issues burn in and, and things of that nature. Then the 3, as you've already talked about, they had a, they had a great idea to have a dual front-facing cameras and then you put a huge notch that was hideous that just was 
I, I hate looking at that phone even to this day. And I love my little Pixel 3. It's really, really nice. In fact, I had it out. I have the Android 12 beta on it, beta 3 on it. And it's fun. Like, I just I forgot how much I liked that little phone. The Pixel 4 was an abject disaster. The 4 had terrible battery life. Project Soli was useless in the extreme. And the 4XL, while it had some fun colorways, had a host of hardware problems that you know plagued a lot of buyers to this day. Some of them, you know, randomly your phone would get to 80% and then stop charging. The the orange color in particular had some chipping and peeling off of the back. Like it just was it was disgusting. Like it was it was a disaster. It was basically Google not giving a crap about making that phone and just saying, we gotta punch something out, so let's do it. The five and the and the four A and the four A five G um, are are nice little phones. They're not flagships. They don't have the flagship spec of everything, like the the six pro and the six do. Um, they're great phones. Like in some cases, you know, the best value in phones was the 4A. The 4A 5G is a slightly larger version of that phone with, you know, some some additional updated details. And the 5, you know, again, for me, competed very well for smartphone of the year last year. Like, no, it's not the kitchen sink phone that has everything, but it, it maybe is the best phone at being a phone. And I it's my daily driver to this day. In fact, I'm, I might I might throw the Android Android 12 Beta 3 on it because I think it's it's probably polished enough but um so the only thing i'll disagree with before we move on is i'm a pixel 4xl defender in a lot of ways i actually think it's a uh, unfairly maligned it's an interesting thing the face id is interesting and the battery life was passable the smaller one certainly had a tiny battery and yeah that was an issue but but generally i agree with you their their hardware has never been on par in any of the generations with the people that lead in that industry and if you're going to be charging, well, we've had this discussion really times. If you're going to try to charge like those guys, you have to be able to match them. Yep, deliver. And this is so far, it looks like they're going to do it this generation for the first time yet in the Pixel line. And that's exciting. And we'll see what happens. And those release when? We're, we're thinking October? Yeah, traditionally the Pixel phones come out in October. And, you know, they've been leaked a lot. So we'll have to see if that holds up. We'll have to see if the pandemic and the, you know, they, they may or may not be impacted by the chip shortage. But... The um, the traditional launch time is October. We'll probably hear something in September, and then or maybe like late September, early October, and they'll launch probably shortly thereafter. Would be my guess. But there've been a lot of leaks, so you know, hard to say. But um, I, I truly, you know, I truly think that this marks the beginning of a new era for Google, um, an era where they're really starting to look at making hardware and taking hardware seriously, and that's good for everybody because we've already talked about more competition is better. And, you know, if, if, you know, they can charge a thousand dollars for a smartphone and it's actually worth a thousand dollars, I don't think it's going to make Samsung or Apple, you know, you know, piss themselves. Like they probably don't even care. They'll maybe sell, if any, you know, any, a couple million of these phones maybe. But, um, but I can tell you the Pixel 5 in Sword of Sage, you can't find it too many places. And the 5 never went on sale. It did not go on sale at any point in time. And I think it's because Google sold all of the ones that they made. And that tells me that they thought, huh, you know, we really did something good here. And if, you know, again, the 765G processor aside, this was a really good phone. It has a good screen, it has good battery life, it has good cameras. It has essentially the best of almost all that Google has to offer. And they sold probably as many as they made. Now, they didn't make too damn many of them. But they sold all of them. They ain't got any of them sitting on the shelf. They might have a few black ones sitting on the shelf because the 
the standard color is slightly boring and you know wasn't something that I was interested in I absolutely wanted and had to have the sort of sage and so that's what I ordered but I have never well I shouldn't say never it is very rare that you don't see the Google Pixel phones go on sale the fours went on sale the threes went on sale like the, some of the Black Friday sales for the three and the four especially were were disgusting and made early adopters angry because the phones were like $250 off or you could get you know all kinds of crazy store credit and other stuff so the fact that the five didn't really says something to me. And I think that maybe it's saying something to Google too. And hopefully these phones, the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro, will be what we think they are. And ultimately could could be the beginning of something new for Google. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'm excited to see them more so than in almost any other year I can think of with the Pixel. Um, in fact, of all the phones kind of releasing late in the year, I, I'm... I'm much, much more interested to see the Pixel lineup than the new iPhones. So uh, there you go. Yeah, no, agreed. And I think that we've said that for a number of years. Like the iPhone stuff is 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 iterative. They're, you know, we've been waiting for them to do high refresh rate. We've been waiting for them to do, you know, s- you know, s- something really just to get us to, you know, sit up and, and take notice. And, you know, change the OLED screens and all the phones are going to have OLED screens. And, yeah, they're going to have three cameras and they'll be... They'll be iPhones. They'll be, you know, they're, they're, you know, their amazing hardware is definitely somewhat, you know, crippled by their software. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, we're not iPhone users other than through work, but, um, they're just, you know, and had a, um, I was talking to our friend, our mutual friend, um, Adrian over this weekend and he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to go buy the, the pixel or the pixel. I'm going to go buy the iPhone 12. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I, I can't decide between the pro or the pro max. And I'm like, well, you know, the Pro Max is a surfboard, so my choice would be the Pro because I prefer a slightly smaller form factor. But in looking at it, and, and we had mentioned this when the, the 12 and the 12 Pro and the Pro Max announcements came out, like there's so much parity now between the 12 and the 12 Pro. Like I can't imagine justifying spending that much. So like if you want the best of everything, you get the Pro Max. And then if you want you know, the regular iPhone, you just buy the iPhone 12. But those phones are so boring. Like they just, they don't do anything for me. And... You know, I may hate the visor, and I'm going to slap it. You know, if I buy one, I'm going to slap it in the case anyway. Um, so maybe it doesn't matter. But at least Google is trying something, and they're not trying something like LG was trying something, where you know they did crazy removable batteries and you know all kinds of other you know nonsense. Um, but they're trying something in a way that says, "Hey, we think that we've got something here, and we think that people are going to want to buy it." So I'm I'm really excited. It's you know we're halfway through July. So, you know, August, September, and then October's here. So, yeah, should be fun. Yeah, can't wait, actually. Uh, very excited to see. Uh, you know, I'll show you how the iPhones too, but comparatively when you're talking about, oh, the big change this year is a slightly smaller notch at 120 hertz, and it's like... Boom. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, Way you're to go, guys. Catching up, you're catching up with all the Android flagships for the last year. Um from the hardware perspective and that's cool but yeah let me know when you have a real file browser that'd be great yeah the the galaxy f20 or excuse me galaxy s20 fan edition had a high refresh rate screen no notch just a little pinhole and that was samsung's like mid-range phone correct go figure yes so we've my my, one plus seven pro had 90 hertz at least and that was that was before the pandemic yeah (laughs) speaking of one plus like 
Are they gone? I mean, I, we've so we're fifty minutes in, so I don't, you know, I don't know how much more time you got. And I want to be respectful of that. But do you do you have some time to, to cover what happened to OnePlus? Do you want to talk about that? Do we, should we do that as a separate show, or do you want to do you want to talk about the Samsung foldable stuff? What do you what do you want to cover, or do no, you have I mean, any time left? No, I have time. We could do five minutes on uh, OnePlus and five minutes on Samsung. But OnePlus, I guess, basically boils down to this: they were always a subsidiary of Oppo. Um, they got to a certain size. They hit kind of a market size where they, you know, released some cool stuff. I personally think they peaked, and the, th- and the things that they kind of peaked on were offering hardware at a price that was, you know, top shelf hardware for a, a medium price, much like the Nexus line used to. And they had like great software. You know, Oxygen OS was the best skin, and uh, they did quick updates. And they peaked at the Seven Pro, in my opinion, back in twenty nineteen where it was still really good value for the money and they were still supporting the phones. And then since then, they've stopped doing those things. Their hardware is no longer compelling or interesting and it's as expensive as Samsung and Apple. And their support for their phones has fallen off a cliff and they don't really you know, give the kind of software support that you would expect. In fact, Samsung was beating them with updates for the, the latest version of Android. And so, um, and now they're being absorbed back into Oppo um, and it's kind of one of those things where I'm not really sure what they're doing. The things that made them successful, they've seemingly abandoned. And to me, they've just become another company. But, you know, again, when I bought my OnePlus 6 Pro, I think it was $750 for top shelf everything. 90 hertz, no notch, 12 gig of RAM, 256 gig of storage, like the whole d- big battery, the whole deal. And, you know, versus the other phones that were out, it was like, geez, this is 75% of the price and I'm getting better specs in some instances. And it was an awesome, well-rounded phone. I was on the betas, I was getting quick updates. And yeah, they, they seemingly have just fallen off a cliff since then. And I don't, I, it's puzzling to see a company, so, you know, get to a certain size, get to a point, and then immediately abandon absolutely everything that got them there and made them different and successful. Do you think it has anything to do with um, Carl Pei leaving? Yeah, I think definitely that's part of it, but I, I just don't know. It, really, it's almost as though they used OnePlus as a Trojan horse to get Oppo into the North American market, and once they reached a certain level of market share, they just they're they're no longer they no longer needed to go on with the charade, and so they abandoned yeah. what they were doing. Yeah, but yeah, I, I just I, look. The 8 Pro was a fine phone. The 9 Pro was a fine phone. Neither of them... The S21 Ultra is a better phone than the yeah. 9 Pro, period. I think that the Samsung's last year, especially the Note 20 Ultra, probably also fell into that category. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's kind of like, yeah, they're fine, but they're... Yeah, I don't, there's nothing compelling about them, and, and their designs are boring. At least Samsung tried to do something interesting with their camera bump. I mean, I think they're classy looking, but I think they're boring. And they just have, you know, almost all screen with a punch hole, the same as virtually everyone else. And so, yeah, there's just not really a whole lot of compelling stuff going on there. They're they're another option, but one that, like, if I were trying to pinpoint who their buyer is now, I'm not sure who it is. 
Yeah, it's kind of strange because um, you're right. They they and I read something online recently where somebody else kind of echoed that sentiment. Like they, maybe they peaked with the Seven Pro, and I had the Seven T, and I, I really like that phone. It was really nice. Um, I'm, I'm really I was really disappointed with the eights. I was even more disappointed with the nines, and it just seemed like you know kind of the writing was on the wall, and they did kind of give up their, you know, we're the scrappy underdog who's, you know, going to be the flagship killer. And, you know, they came a long way from their very humble beginnings, like the the, the gigantic hot mess that was the OnePlus One, um, you know, the invite system and the, you know, the, the nonsense that surrounded having to be able to buy their phones and then throwing like the OnePlus X out there. And then they came back with the Nord and, you know, all these other different smartphone lines. Like it just seems that, you know, something happened there and it could be just like you said, maybe Oppo was like, well, let's, you know, let's, uh, let's spin off this company and see how well it does. And once it's divested itself of the Eastern, you know, influences, maybe Western markets will, you know, kind of flock to it and we'll get some enthusiasts to, you know, sing our praises. We'll have some fun events on stage and, you know, we'll sell headphones and, you know, all this other kind of crap. And, and, and maybe that's all it was the whole time. Maybe it was just a Trojan horse to, to gain market share in a market that they previously had been an, unable to get a hold of. But it just it's it's kind of an interesting and sad fall from grace for a company that really did seem like it was looking for a way to disrupt the smartphone industry. And to a certain extent, they did like they got a lot more pub and a lot more you know, name recognition um, with with people in the West than they think they would have otherwise. But um, I just I, I I can't I can't help but come away just disappointed and and very sad that you know OnePlus is just going to be gone and you know maybe Oppo will just continue to offer these types of phones in the future. But um, there there is certainly now nothing left to differentiate them from the Samsung of the world. And I think I mentioned you know when we had Alex on. I was like, you know, why would I buy this phone over a Samsung phone? They're priced the same. Like, why would I care? And other than, you know, maybe, maybe the software experience, um, there really isn't. And I think, you know, if you, you hold up a Samsung phone and a OnePlus phone next to each other and you put them in a carrier store, most people are going to pick Samsung because that's the name they've heard of. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. It's kind of a disappointment. You know, Oxygen OS is going away. I really like it. I have, um, sitting here next to me on my desk, I have the OnePlus 6T and, um, I just recently did a, a factory reset on it and put a screen protector on it. And, you know, I'm looking at it and, and there's a lot of things that I like about that phone. I like the size. I like the, you know, the, the, the speed of the software. I like the fluidity of it. Um, and the 7T was that kind of even more to an extreme. It was slightly larger, but it had a higher refresh rate display. It was really nice. The The cameras were still hot garbage, but, um, you know, it just, it for what it was, it was just a really, really good smartphone value. And, you know, the 6T was that too. And, you know, they, they kind of, you know, maybe lost their way and maybe they're paying the price and maybe not, but, um, you know, RIP one plus we, we barely knew you and, um, and now you're gone. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but, uh, yeah, it, puzzling. Very. It's just bizarre. And it, it, it's amazing. I, I mean, I owned one, right. And at the time, like I will defend that choice. I think the one plus seven pro was probably still the best phone that year or, or definitely in the conversation. No question. And yeah, the last few years, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. One plus they have their phone out there. That's the thing. Um, and that's about it. So, uh, yeah. pour one yeah. out, pour one, yeah, out. one out. Um, last but not least, we probably should butt it up, but I, I would just say we do have the, the next phones that are going to be announced are the, uh, Z fold 
and Z Flip 3 and S21 FE on August 11th. Samsung and, did it. Uh, and, you know, I think we know a lot about these phones at, these, these, uh, at this point. Um, the Fold 3 basically is the Fold 2, uh, but it sounds like it's going to have a 120 hertz front screen as well as the interior. They're doing an under screen camera on the interior screen this year. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be IPX8, so it'll be water resistant but not dust, which is the first foldable to do that if it ends up being true. And uh, thinner and lighter than the than, and, than the current phone. So, you know, lots of iterative improvements there. And the colors are black and a nice foresty green and, uh, and then this kind of like pinkish white color, which I'm not a huge fan of. Um, and then the Z Flip 3, which I actually think is more interesting in a lot of ways, they, they took the, the previous flip phones, and they basically added a much, much larger cover screen, so that it's actually usable for doing things. Yep. They made the bezels uniform on the inside and much smaller, um, and they have a bunch of neat colors, and, uh, you know, they have what, a purple, a yellow, black a cool green color again, kind of a forest green. And then I think it's rumored to come in white and like a navy blue. And uh, I think there's one other color floating around out there. And I think it really, based off of the leaks we've seen, really looks great. I agree. Both of them are rumored to cost less. We don't know how much less, but um, we think that uh, it will, you know, maybe be something like sixteen to 1800 for the... Uh, Fold and for the flip, I've seen anywhere between one thousand ninety nine to like I don't know eleven ninety nine, maybe twelve forty nine. Either way, it looks like they're both getting price cuts in order to kind of get them out. And it also looks like they will be on more carriers. Verizon, there's a Verizon version, version, so I think they're going to be available to more consumers. So those look neat. More to come on those. And then um, the S twenty one FE. Do we want to have the conversation? Should we do it? Pea soup green. It's it's a fine color, and I don't mind that the camera module is the same color as the housing of the phone. Um, I I know that you've referenced it as as puke green before. Um, I'm going to say this: we've only seen That's renders. Not what I said. What I said specifically was. <laughs> I believe it was the vomit from the color of the Exorcist, right? It looks like Reagan throwing up in the Exorcist. <laughs> that pea soupy, thick, bubbly bullshit that's coming out of her mouth that's what color they chose and the thing that's even more puzzling about it is the green that they're using on the flip is pretty nice yeah the green that they're using on the fold is pretty nice yeah the forest kind of emeraldy green yeah different color this green is freaking hideous i will (laughs) i will die on this mountain i actually quite like the white i think the black looks pretty decent too the green is just yeah it, it, it looks like vomit and that's not really what you want your phone described as and i i don't understand why they had two clearly superior shades of green for their other phones and they decided that they were going to go with this i'm i'm gonna hit you with the willy wonka i'm sorry man wrong wrong sir wrong you stole you stole oh. Anderson's pea soup color. You okay. get nothing. <laughs> that is right. I thought you were doing the Charlie Murphy wrong. wrong. <laughs> but um, no, it's, 
it's terrible. It, it is an ugly, 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 ugly color. And if anyone wants to weigh in on comments or whatever and agree with me, um, feel free because Sean is off on his own island somewhere here. Um, it is an ugly, ugly color. And um, yeah, that's what really I have to say about that. Yeah, you're, stop. For sure. If you're, uh, if you're listening to the show and you have a comment, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Silicon Theory on Twitter or at Sean Plunk. Uh, if you'd like, and and you can tell him that he's wrong. So, um, I mean, this, it, this is where you're going to fire up all your burner accounts, King style. <laughs> I've got start a, agreeing with yourself, aren't you? Okay. This is what's going to happen. No, I'm going to forget to log out of my main and say, no, that Sean guy's pretty smart. I don't know what this Plunkett dude's thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I can feel it coming already. No I shame. feel it coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so Samsung is going to have that stuff, and they're going to show up their show off their new watches with their new watch chip and the new version of Wear OS that's like a some kind of teasing meld, and uh, that'll be that'll be cool. We haven't had an event in a while. For sure. announced in a few months. For sure, and you know the Fold Three is is what it is. It's it is kind of an iterative update. It should have some really cool features. Um, it's going to be expensive. Um, and it, it definitely is kind of the flagship in, in that arena, as we've already kind of talked about. I'm, I'm very interested in the Flip 3. The, the fact that it has a much more usable exterior display is very striking to me. Um, there's some rumors that Google's also going to release a foldable, but it'll be much more like the Fold, where it's kind of a you know a tablet that kind of folds in half kind of thing. And the, the vertical form factor, I think, is probably going to be a much more popular form factor in terms of just like the adoption from a you know common end user standpoint. So the Flip 3 could could very much be kind of this first, um, it's the third iteration of this phone, but it's the first of its kind that'll actually be, especially with a cheaper um, starting price point, could very much be the very first of its kind where we could see some wide adoption of foldables. Like you might actually see someone with a folding phone in the wild, um, you know, not just looking in the mirror when you're opening and closing your phone. Um, it's it's a it's a fun and interesting um, kind of statement on phones. Like, hey, does your phone fold? No, oh, too bad for you. But um, you know, there's there's a lot of functionality. You're kind of beating this horse to death, but you know, there's a lot of functionality there, and I think that this could really be um, this could really be a winner for Samsung, especially if um, you know they can they can kick off the event, they can actually have an event, and you know make it um, you know kind of hype beasty and 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 get some people to say like you know what my next phone maybe should be a smart uh, should be a folding smartphone from Samsung. And um, and here's why, and um, and that could be a good thing for Samsung. You know, not that they need to sell any more smartphones. I mean, obviously the number one worldwide, but um, you know, they they they're doing some stuff. They're innovating. They're pushing the envelope. They've got they've got not one but two folding phones. They've got an ultra phone that is, you know, was maybe the smartphone of the year. They've got you know an A series phone for everybody's you know budget, and it just you know they're doing a lot of good things. Uh, I agree with you. I'm really excited for the event. Uh, and I'm very excited to see what um, what the second half of the year brings from from smartphones in general. Yeah, spoiler alert, I'm getting a Z Fold 3. Boom. And uh, my 11-year-old my is hell-bent on somehow getting a Z Flip 3. What a little spoiled punk, by the way. Like, he already has a, <laughs> a S20 FE, and it's like, this, this is what he... To, in his defense, he saved up, like, a ton of money, and I don't know if this will happen. We'll see how expensive it ends up being and if there's any carrier deals. But, like, he's slightly obsessed with it which i think means i'm doing a good job as a parent in fact after we're done with this Cosine. we're gonna watch the season four finale of uh, breaking bad okay well, um so yeah. if those two things this you know breaking bad watching and the his lust for the flip three do not say that i'm doing a good job as a parent i don't know what does 
I agree with you. I, I can't, I can't think of anything that would make me prouder if my, you know, one of my girls came up to me and told me they wanted the latest and greatest smartphone. What is interesting is if you guys are both on an annual refresh cycle, I'm, I'm going to be very um, interested to see how that plays out in the household. But um, considering the, considering that your wife just got a whole bunch of brand new tech too, maybe there's no reason to complain there just yet. Dear God, by the way, one last thing before we sign off here. Um, speaking of your girls, my lovely wife showed me a picture of the girls with like one of their friends. Um, are you feeding them HGH? Or what, what, like, how is this? What's happening? Because they're they're like they were so much taller and and just kind of you know getting older that I like almost didn't recognize them. What's yeah, happening? I know it's it's been a while since we've been able to come and see you guys too. You gotta. Yeah, you gotta, we, we gotta get together. Yeah, for sure. So we can hang out again soon. But um, uh, yeah, they yeah, kids get note. kids get older. Who knew? Yeah, no, I, it's a good thing we're not getting older. Oh no, for sure. No, we're we're yeah. just as 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 in our primes as we were 15 years ago. Clearly, still very sharp. I think on that note, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a good time to call it. All right, my man. Thanks for the talk. Right. I'll see you later. See you tomorrow, Randy. Can't wait. Oh, that's right. Good times in person All again. Right. The pandemic, <laughs> the pandemic's over, so we're fine. It'll be good. Yeah, no, no, Delta's not even a thing. Done. Yeah, no, it, wait a minute. Wasn't that one of the um, dinosaurs from Jurassic World? Yeah, man, we, we just canceled our vacation to uh, New York and Boston in August um, because our 11-year-old cannot get vaccinated and the numbers looked absolutely atrocious again, which is yeah. fabulous. Um, I think my wife is... I'm going to try to keep her from jumping off a bridge. I feel so bad. This is like the third vacation in a row we've uh, had to kill. But, uh, you know, if people... Let's do this as a takeaway. If you can get vaccinated, go do it for the love of God. And that's it. How about that? Yeah, I, I couldn't support it and endorse that enough. And, you know, the the comments recently about this has turned into a pandemic of the un- unvaccinated is, is really true. Regardless of what your political beliefs are, the science is real. The medicine is real. Go get yourself vaccinated. And um, the, if you don't if you don't do it for yourself, then honestly, do it for me. Thanks. Cool yeah, my All right, see you tomorrow. Bye. Right, bye. Well, as always, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate your patronage. If you enjoy the show, make sure you share it with a friend, tell your family, tell everyone you come into contact with on the street about the Silicon Theory podcast, and force them to listen at gunpoint or knife point or at nuclear warhead point if it it becomes necessary. Um, again, you can find us on Twitter at Silicon Theory. We are. Yeah, on kind of hiatus right now. The pandemic's put a damper on a lot of things, but we're still around, so if you want to talk to us, we want to talk to you. Thanks again. Enjoy your evening, everybody, and we will talk tech again soon.